What's that? I don't know. <laughs> I wanted. I, I want to keep the song playing, but I don't know how to do that without. Walking in a winter wonderland. So tell me the story about the coffee guy you just talked about. <laughs> I was just. I was just saying that the, I usually get a small coffee and I get it half calf, meaning half decaffeinated, half regular. And I went through a drive-through, and I said, "Can I have a half-calf black coffee?" And he didn't understand what I said, so I said, "Can I have half decaffeinated, half regular?" And he said, "Black." And I said, "Yes, but half decaffeinated, half regular." And he said, "Okay, pull around." I pulled around, and then he handed it to me. He said, "Just coffee, right?" <laughs> so, so you I said think, you might be flying. This I may not be half-calf. This may not be maybe full-calf, which means that that could cause a shaky problem. Just for me. like. This this show, it's full calf. It's full steam ahead, sweetie. It causes shaky problems sometimes. It does. Um, so this is Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 205. Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, sweetie, mm-hmm. and a logical and practical dad, that's me. And we have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is in fact a parent's self-understanding. And then don't forget our marketing strategy, which is what, sweetie? <laughs> Do we talk about this every week now? Well, it's my way of asking our listeners to tell a friend. Well, then why don't I change my answer and I'll say share? Oh, because... Share with other people. Yeah, our marketing strategy is we don't have one. Our marketing strategy is we, we have trust. no traditional marketing strategy. Uh, the tr- Yeah, because it's all formulaic and icky. Let's just do formulaic. You sounded really smart when you said that. Well, formulaic. Yeah. Sounds like something from uh, Goodwill Hunting or something. Well, you know, I'm a lot like Will. Like that guy, that smart Harvard guy from uh, who tries to be so smart. The then, apples guy. Yeah. And then, how about them apples? How about them apples? <laughs> I got her number. She doesn't even have, doesn't he have a ponytail or something? Yeah, he's like Mr. Ponytail Sensitive Harvard guy. People who it, it's a great scene. We were actually talking about that with friends a while back because someone who needs to tell you how smart they are all the time and make you feel dumb by bringing up things they know that you don't know. Right there, you know that they are in complete fear. Because they're so afraid that someone will, quote-unquote, figure them out that they have to... Do you like apples? Yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great scene. I love his friends. I know. His friends are his family. They are, literally. Yeah. Literally, that's all he's got. Um, So we're going to talk about a few things. One is we're going to talk about this NPR interview that you listened to. Yeah. Talks about how girls are developing... Earlier. Earlier. Puberty is coming faster. And I didn't listen to it. Uh, One, because uh, I ran out of time. But two is I'm going to be like the listener and ask oh, good. questions to you. Awesome. And then I'm reading this amazing book called Money, Master the Game by Tony Robbins. And I want to talk about a specific part in it and then about Tony Robbins and just how awesome he is and how I've awesome decided. this book is. I'm, You know, it's a huge book. It's a 700-page book and I'm just starting it, but I'm loving it. Well, I know you are because you're an audio person. You get audio books and this is actually a hardback book and you're reading it. Yes. So that um, tells me a lot. And I've read a million personal finance books, maybe not a million, somewhere less than a million 
but this is the best one I've ever Tony Robbins was blessed with many gifts. I mean, really. I really sometimes think he's blessed with so many gifts. It's part of the reason he's so large and... Large and in charge? Like he has such a deep voice. And I know there's some physical reasons for that too. Yeah. But he, I feel like he's just a big person on this planet. He's gifted. He's gifted. And I'll explain why he's gifted after we uh, talk about our- Can we talk about- Oh, go ahead. Our first partner. I wanted to talk about something zen. Yeah, after our first partner, okay. sweetie, Dr. John Kelly, he does, uh, he's a dentist on the northwest side of Chicago. He's at 5350 West Devon Avenue, and the number is 773-631-6844. If you live in the Chicagoland area and you have children or if you just need a dentist, uh, he's your guy. We trust him. We love him. He's an amazing guy. And he's pretty zen. And he's pretty zen. He's a low-key cat. He is. Yeah. Our daughters love him. Yeah, they love him. Uh, ChicagoDentistOnline.com. Check out Dr. John Kelly. So it's funny, you know, this show is called Zen Parenting Radio. And I remember in our first like uh, month of doing this show three or four years ago, one of our um, reviews, we had all these nice reviews. And then this one guy reviewed us and said, they don't talk about Zen at all. Um, Do you remember that? Was that Travis? That was Travis. Yeah, it was like our first bad review. We're like, oh. We haven't had many bad reviews. No, no. Well, most people don't, if they don't like a show, they just We have 174 ratings. 169 people gave us five stars, sweetie. Wow, that's great. Three people gave us four stars. Just Travis gave us two people gave us two stars. So nobody's given oh, us no. one so star. So Travis only gave us two stars, huh? Yeah. Anyway, my, my point is, is, is he, and so it kind of made me laugh, but I was thinking today about a Zen. Uh, phrase or a Zen teaching um, that I love, and it happens to be on our taught in my big vision board in our office. And the Zen phrase is: before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water; after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And the day that I heard that, it was probably five or six years ago. I was in a yoga class, and my teacher said that to me, and it totally gave me freedom. Hmm. Tell me why. Because I think I thought the more I dove into self-awareness, and at the time I, at that time I called it spirituality, which it still is, but my language now is more like self-awareness, and is that the more I dove into it, I thought, gosh, you know, the deeper I go, what's going to happen to me? And maybe I'll end up sitting on a mountain somewhere, and maybe I'll have to go like... Maybe you'll spin off this planet. Yeah, like that guy on Entourage. Oh, it's a great scene. Yeah, so if you can find that, that'd be great. But I was so concerned about going so deep that I would somewhat lose track with reality. I Really, because my whole life I've been investigating these deep things, and I thought, where is this going to go? And that Zen phrase gave me so much peace, because what it means is before enlightenment, you chop wood and you carry water. You just do things and you get them done. And and after enlightenment, you continue to do things. You continue to chop wood and carry water. You continue to take care of your children. You continue to go to parties and you know have a life, but you do it with a sense of awareness. Enlightenment is not a thing you reach where you are never you know, that, that you don't come down from meaning enlightenment is a practice. It's that place of self-awareness where you understand the bigger picture and you feel grounded in who you are and, and what's going on in the world. And when you chop wood and carry water from that perspective, even washing dishes is a Zen experience. Walking barefoot in the grass could bring tears to your eyes and that's what that phrase means. And I just happened to see it as I was coming downstairs. And I thought, why not share a Zen phrase? Um, well, I 
heard you, chop wood, carry water. That means you still got to do the work. You got to do the work before you do the work and you got to do the work after the work. Like, well, why no. is it chop wood and carry water? No, it, yes. It, I mean, I'm not saying no, that you don't have to do the work. What I'm saying is they're not talking about spirituality, it, meaning they're talking about enlightenment is the spiritual part. Chop wood, carry water is the human aspect. That's the human. You're, you're still going to have to wake up and... And that, that my whole fear about, am I going to spin off this planet? Am I going to go sit on a mountain? They're like, no, gotcha. that, that Zen <clears throat> phrase tells you, you will still sleep in your bed mm. and get up with your so children. So chop wood, carry water is a um, synonym or a metaphor, I don't know which one, for the human experience, the day-to-day yes, grind. that becoming, again, remember, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So those of us, yoga used to be very focused on getting out of the body and like detaching from the body and thinking the whole human experience was somehow not valuable. And first of all, I completely disagree with that. I think what we are given, what we've been given is we are spiritual beings and we get to be human. Mm -hmm. So let's enjoy being human. Let's let's not try and get out of our bodies. Let's enjoy our body. Let's listen to our body. Because we know people that kind of go too far and they get lost. They lose their humanness. And you've gotten lost. Oh, yeah. And then you came back. That's my chop wood carry water story. That's that's my whole point is that sometimes you feel like you're spinning off the earth because you go so far spiritual and all of a sudden you can start to recognize what's the point? What does it matter? Why am I here? And when you realize we're here to have a human experience and enjoy what comes with being a human being with emotions, ego, body. Um, When you recognize that, then you just do it with a sense of awareness and purpose and gratitude. And you recognize, um, I feel like it all comes together where you're like, I'm just glad to be here. I'm just glad to be here, Tad. I'm just happy to be here. Hope I can help the ball club. Bull Durham. Bull Durham. And then this is from Entourage where I might have to cut out some swear words, but this is from Entourage where Ari tells Gary Busey that he's going to spin off the planet. (laughs) Gary. Gary Busey. How are you, man? Good to see you, baby. It's Ari. Ari. Yeah. Uh, You worked craft service on Lethal Weapon 1, didn't you? I certainly did not. I used to represent you. You remember? I know you. You are a gut maggot. With no guts. You're going to spin off this planet. I love it. Keep at it. Okay, Ari. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> said to him, you worked craft service. <laughs> Unleak the weapon one. <laughs> weapon one. That's such a great... Oh, it's a great scene. You oh, are a gut maggot. That is a great... Uh, that was a great show. I, don't, I didn't watch the whole thing. I think we, we I dropped HBO after Sopranos. Yeah, because we thr- lost track of our Thrifty McSaves a lot. Decided to cut out HBO. <laughs> because Sopranos was over and it, the screen went black. So I feel like this is the part where people who have never listened to this says, why do I listen to this parenting podcast? Hey, but not that, that's not true. I just talked about a Zen phrase that can be used in everybody's life. In everybody's life. But let's talk parenting. Let's talk puberty girls oh, stuff. Oh, you want to dive in? Yeah, let's dive in. And then I'm going to finish with my money thing. Okay. So I listened to this NPR um podcast, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know this already, I am a huge fan of Terry Gross on Fresh Air, as is my husband. Yeah, she's um, awesome. One of the best interviews I've ever heard in my entire life. And um, I listen to everything. I listen to every podcast that she does. And she had on two doctors, and Todd has their name in front of him. Do you have um, their name? Yes. Um, Juliana Deerdorf. Okay. And Luis Greenspan. And I... 
you're going to have to kind of listen to it to get all the details about them. I don't have that all off the top of and my we'll head. And we'll link to it on our show notes. Yeah, but basically they are doing research um, in their practice where they are figuring out why girls are going through puberty so much earlier because most of the statistics say girls start going through puberty around um, nine years old and then th- through you know pre-adolescence into teenage years. But what they're finding now is that girls who are as young as seven and eight are starting puberty. Now, that doesn't mean they're getting their period. Right. It means that they are starting. Right. They are having breast development. They might, they might have some hair on their body. Right. And why that's important to understand is that there that it didn't used to be that way. Right. I think the percentage they gave, and again, I you have to listen to it to get the verbatim, but it was something like it used to be like eight percent or nine percent, and now it's like twenty seven percent. Eight was the cutoff for normal puberty, so we thought less that less than five percent of the girls were going through puberty before the age of eight. I want to define where starting puberty. You just talked about that. Uh, well, we're actually we're starting with breast development and pubic hair, and what the research that we did with our colleagues found that at age seven, fifteen percent of girls had breast development, and at age eight, twenty-seven percent had breast development. Twenty-seven. And in terms of pubic hair, at age seven, ten percent of girls had it, uh, and by eight, nineteen percent had it. So. It's nothing, you so know. So it's, it's gone. It's gone up dramatically. Right. The percentage has gone up of the of how early they start. How early they start. And again, it doesn't mean they're getting their period that year. It just means that the process is beginning. And we know that the earlier you start going through puberty, breast development, et cetera, the, your period is not far behind. Right. So what I thought was so interesting is they're looking at so many different things about why this is happening. And again, they don't have the hammered down research yet. They have hypotheticals. They, you know, hi, not hypotheticals. They have hypotheses. They have, um, you know, some what is it called where you have data that is not yet proven, but it's pretty close. Um, I, I guess that'd be a hypothesis. Yeah, right. And some of the things that they were talking about is, you know, it's environmental factors and things that are going on. Um, one of them being a lot of people have been thinking that the um, hormones in milk and in dairy, like in our cows, that those hormones are causing, you know, girls to go through puberty early. One of their hypotheses is it's actually not the hormones, it's the antibiotics Hmm. that the cows are getting. They explained that, see, that the hormones that the cows are getting, those are absorbed in their system and supposedly don't get passed on. But the antibiotics are not absorbed and they are passed on to us. Right. So not only is that a problem with our ability to um, continually use antibiotics because all of a sudden we hit this threshold where they no longer work for us, but number two, it sends our children into puberty faster. Um, and let me think for a second to – they explained exactly why – um, something about lowering our defenses. It, it somehow triggers something. Okay. I don't have that information as the doctors do that it can cause that. Right. And so it is connected to dairy, but in a different way. Right. Not, not how we thought, but maybe in a little. And this is way. scientific. They're like they they're doing this research right now. So it's, these are it's these work are in hypotheses. Progress. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing they're looking at is obviously all the BPA that's in plastics and how that's leaking in. BPA. What does that stand for? That's a chemical that's in plastics that has actually been. 
been taken out of a lot of plastics now. Oh. You'll notice when you buy a plastic water bottle for the girls, it'll say BPA-free. Got it. And basically, they have found that that can lead to, I think, also cancer. Yeah. I think it's got some negatives I, all around. The word carcinogen comes up for yeah. me. I don't know why. I yeah. don't even know what a carcinogen is. Carcinogen. Carcinogen. Yeah. I think that just means a cancer-causing, yeah. right? No, no, no. So they talked about that, and they also talked about how this is affecting boys. Okay. And how for the girls that they may be going through puberty faster. Earlier. Earlier. And the boys it, it is potentially, again, this is all in the process of their research, they're not going through as fast mm-hmm. because their testosterone, their their estrogen levels are high because they're getting this estrogen faster, just like the girls are because of the societal. And what catapults us into puberty is hormones. Right. And not- Testosterone. Uh, sorry. Testosterone and not- estrogen and but we're you're getting, getting the estrogen. other so right. you know it's just it was so fascinating because for me having daughters as i do and then also working with fifth grade girls i have noticed how girls are going through puberty faster and this is probably the most important thing that i wanted to get across in this discussion girls are beginning to look older earlier right but oh my gosh parents please remember that just because their body is changing does not mean they are emotionally capable or it does not mean that they are emotionally at the age that their body looks. A lot of times when girls, especially girls, start to look older, we start to treat them older and we forget that they're a third grader or a fourth grader. And it's a very natural thing because we are visual people. And so if you look tall and you're growing breasts, then you must understand these deep things. Sweetie, what about the girl who gets a period and the mom says, well, now you're a woman. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, she's not. The girl is not a woman. The girl who gets her period has begun very – she is at the very beginning of the process of becoming a woman. You want to make sure that that's not a comment that you're saying to your daughter or saying that now she has become a woman because she – as we know, a third grader getting her period, she's not a woman. She's not even close. She's not even a pre-adolescent yet. These are – we have to be very careful with our language. We have to be very careful with – what we expect of our children, sometimes gifted children, mm-hmm. um, especially early, first, second, third, because they are intellectually capable, we start to treat them as emotionally capable, meaning we expect more from them. If they cry or get disappointed, we we get frustrated because they should know better. Right. We have to remember... Doogie Hauser was really smart. Right. But that doesn't mean he was any emotional... You know, we talk about emotional intelligence all the time. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he was any better equipped to deal with bullying or whatever other emotional thing, right? There are different ages. We have our physical age. We have our intellectual age. We have our emotional age. And the most important, at least to Todd and I and what the show is about, is when you're working with – when you're talking with your children and connecting with your children, you have to understand their emotional age and that they are – you know, just because they look a certain way – does not mean that they can maybe handle more adult things. Right. Um, so, you know, these that was important. And the other thing I thought was super important in the discussion was they talked about how a lot of times, like right now in uh, the schools, they're doing sex ed in fifth grade, which is pretty typical in our community. We did too. ours in sixth grade back when I was a little kid. I did mine in fifth. And when you and I teach um, uh, sex ed at, at schools, we are – doing fifth grade. That's been my experience. Now, let's think about that with girls who are going through puberty starting in third grade or second grade. 
it's too it's too late. Mm-hmm. Meaning these kids need to start hearing these things earlier. So what I am doing is I'm reaching out to you parents and saying, please understand mm-hmm. that that body development and sexuality, which is not just about the act of sex, needs to be a conversation in your home very early. Please don't connect. This is very important too. That when a girl is going through body changes, that doesn't make her a sex. That doesn't make her more interested in sex or make her a sexual being. Right. It just means she is growing up. Right. And so, a lot of times when we think about puberty, we think I don't want to talk to them about puberty because that's sex. No, it's not. Right. That is. They're two separate things. They're two separate. Now, things. one like leads to the other, or one is semi-related to the other. But it doesn't all mean the same thing. It doesn't, you know, body changes for a second grader or a third grader, if you have a child who's going through that. Or even a sixth grader or a seventh grader. absolutely. I mean, hopefully they don't become sexually active until well after those years. Right. Hopefully they, you know, and a lot of that, Todd, is based on how much how much discussion they have had around body development and how much discussion they've had around sexuality. And that's what I think. And, you know, I'm, you are definitely, we have three daughters and you are um, more proactive. You're more, it's just easier for you. So you take more of an active role Mm -hmm. in the discussion of sexuality with our children. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Um, I do a little bit. I'm like the supportive guy. I don't put my head in the sand. No, he, usually I will have a conversation with the girls and then Todd follows up later that day. Right. Um, but I just think it's weird that a lot of parents are, I want to use a bad word or a demeaning word or a not so nice word, but I won't. They are scared. They're too scared to have this conversation with their kids. So they're like, well, I'll just let the school do it. Mm-hmm. Well, the school does it for what, a semester or a no a, a weekend, a, yeah. a day? I mean, when I go in and talk to the Catholic schools, because they don't have a program within their curriculum, I am there for two hours. Yeah. So... <laughs> Two, so that's a good extreme example. Let's say it's a two-hour talk. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, my kids had this sex talk. They know how all the body parts work. Sexuality, as we've said on the show a million times, is such a huge part of who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's not the only part. It's not the biggest part, but it's a big part. Just it's, like It's an important part. It's an important part. And to allow the school to be the teacher in this huge subject is going to possibly create a lot of issues for you down the road. And sexuality in all parts, puberty, sex, whatever, is not a conversation. It's a communication Mm -hmm. within the home. It's not a one-time shot. It's not something you prep for and say, okay, this is it. I'm done. It's an ongoing, constant communication. And if you can start that early, and, you know, like it was funny, um, the other night I went in and I, let's keep our daughter's names out of this, but you know, I went in and found a book in one of our daughter's rooms, you know, the American girl book about bodies. And I was like, Oh, you already have this. And she said, yeah, mom. And I said, so we've gone through this. And she said, you gave me that book. And I opened up the book and I had written inside of it, you know, to you, you know, excited to have these conversations with you, you know, growing up is so great. Um, love mom 2012. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, good. Yeah. We've had, you know, and my point of that is, is I continually go back and just because they've heard about a period once doesn't mean that it's fully been integrated just because that, you know, we've had one talk doesn't mean they completely get it. I mean, we're constantly, I was, I'm still learning about my body. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is that 
these kind of discussions, especially because I, I highly recommend if you have a daughter um, or a son for that matter, listen to this NPR interview that we're going to link to. Um, and I also just highly recommend if you are challenged to talk about it, ask for some help from some other people in your life. Like if you have, if your child has aunts or uncles or cousins who are maybe more comfortable with it, if you really are like, oh my gosh, it's so challenging for me, don't then just like Give in, put your surrender. head in the sand. Find other people who can talk to your child about it openly. So I just, I went on zenparentingradio.com okay. and I put in the search engine on the upper right hand corner, sex. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's over 10 different podcasts that we've had about which sexuality. specifically talk about. This one's called We Choose What's Familiar and What It Means to Be a Sex Positive Parent, Natural Consequences, Cell Phones and Sexting, How Do You Feel About Sex, Support for Our Sons. I mean, there's resources there. So a lot of what Todd and I are saying is probably very repetitious, um, but we can get away from it. Our lives are so busy and... Um, I just really recommend that we keep up on what's going on with our kids, um, biologically, emotionally, physically, and making sure that they know, you know, one of the best things is when, you know, one of the tips that is often given from sex therapists is if your child comes to you and has a question about sex, regardless of age, you just answer that question. Right. Okay. You don't need to go into this whole thing. You just answer that question. And if they ask a question, and you start to tell them and they're kind of uncomfortable or they're like, okay, that's enough. Just say, okay, but if you're ready, if you want to talk about it later, just know you can. Or if you want me to explain that later, know you can. Constantly keep the door open. The door is open. The door is open. Because you want your children to know they can come to you when they are unsure mm-hmm. or if they need answers. They're going to go to their friends too. I'm not saying they're going to avoid the peers. But you want to be a resource. Yeah. And uh, you and I have done uh, sex talks for parents. Yeah. Um, we've done a few of those evenings. So if you're interested, shoot us an email. And this, I loved this story. It's on the podcast, but it's only a small piece. One of the doctors explains that her mom was so open with them in the home about uh, body development and puberty and periods that her brother even completely understood what a period was. Um, Because one of the things that I highly recommend and most people do who work in this area is you don't hide those kind of things. Like I have, you know, pads and tampons and that kind of thing sitting out in the bathroom. These are not things we need to hide. I contend that most guys don't even like to use the words pads and tampons. And my husband goes to the grocery store and buys them. There's a lot of variables there. (laughs) I don't know which one I'm getting, but that's another thing. I don't know if I've said this on the show or not. If you have a daughter, um, eventually she's going to get her period. And it's a difficult thing for a dad to relate to their daughter about their periods. Right. And I don't know where I heard it, but it was a long time ago. One way, because a lot of dads pretend that it didn't even happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So one thing you can do is if it's, you know, hey, I'm going to the grocery store, you need any pads or tampons for your daughter. Mm -hmm. That question would make many men like just shriek with fear. Right. But you need to start getting familiar with it because if you pretend it's not happening, it's not a good thing. And exactly. And the more that we can practice 
having that be out in the open because you understand 50% of the population has their period once a month. Yeah. So these are not the, – to have it in hiding or to act as if it's something we need to cover up is old school thinking. This is a very normal body process for 51% yeah. of the population. But anyway, the story was is this um, this doctor was explaining when she got her period, her brother was so well-versed and he so understood what was happening – their parents happened to not be home. So she yelled to her brother and said, can you go in the closet and get in that thing that mom showed us where all the you know period stuff is? He went in there. He got it for her. He gave it to her. He went next door and got their 16-year-old babysitter who happened to be a girl and said, can you come over because my sister, blah, wow. blah, blah. And she was so appreciative of her brother being aware enough and understanding what was going on. Like it's not just a girl thing. Yeah. Like you said, Todd, dads need to understand it. Brothers need to understand it. It's nothing to hide. Well, and you also mentioned something earlier this morning to me about how boys uh, shame the girls by snapping their bra straps shaming, and stuff. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, again, it's on this podcast, but they were talking about how sometimes when we go in and talk to girls about their development, that we have to simultaneously talk to boys about girls' development. We have to explain to boys what's happening. It sucks for girls. And the reason is because when their breasts develop... It, everybody can see. I mean, I know girls right. try to hide it in the beginning, but us guys, right. everything is hidden. And, and so we right. get it easy <laughs> and you poor girls have to get the period, you have to get the boobs and it's just so much harder for you well, guys. Well, and the boys assume that if a girl is developing that they have somehow become sexual. Yeah. And that that's something we need to explain to boys too is boys then think they have the right to treat them differently. Right. And boys need to have an understanding of that snapping a bra, which is so old school. I haven't talked about snapping a bra since forever ago. Um, but that that is that's not okay. Yeah. That's disrespectful. That's body shaming. Yeah, it's invasion of personal space. Absolutely. And that those are not things that are, that's not acceptable yeah, behavior. Yeah, it's so funny because it seemed when I was younger, when I don't think I ever did it, but maybe some of the bad boys did it, the guys who used to get in trouble. And I haven't thought about it either, but it's really, now that I think about it, it's a total invasion of personal space. Absolutely. You are touching a woman or a girl. She's not a woman yet. Yeah. You are touching a young girl's body and not only snapping her bra, which hurts. And the girl is probably laughing shamed. it off just so she doesn't have to deal with it. The girl is so uncomfortable already yeah. with her own changes right. that to have to deal with how boys are if, looking if at you her. Respond, if you're a girl and you respond to that with anger, it's going to make the problem worse. So Absolutely. I think a lot of girls would kind of laugh it off as no big deal. And that reinforces the boy saying, oh, she laughed. This must be something that she likes. Or Do you something. see what starts happening right away? That's where girls start going inside. Yeah. They start hiding. Yeah. They start pretending. Yeah. They start thinking that that you know, there's more power in, mm. you know, in the masculine. Right. These are all these things that we, and it's not about solving this problem, quote unquote, solving. It's talking about it, communicating about it. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's not one person. It's not one event. It's all of us. Yeah. And the more that we can have these discussions and, you know, for, if you've got a, a daughter who is um, old enough to, and this is up to you, parents, you get to decide, but listen to this podcast with them. Yeah. You know, let us do the talking. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, 
share it with them so you can continue this conversation or your son. Yeah. Let them listen to Don't this. Don't forget about the boys. And so anyway, I think I'll stop there, but I will say, because I can't remember all the stats or all the research, please listen to the NPR podcast if you're interested, because I did think it was very well done, and it's information that we need for our daughters. Our second partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. That's Dr. Kelly. She adjusts our family on a weekly basis. Don't forget that she has a family scan day where all family members and patients get a free initial exam. And then there's also that 30-minute free massage gift card if you refer somebody to Tree of Life. So don't forget about that. So if you're a patient of Dr. Kelly and you're for one, a friend or a family member, you get a free 30-minute massage. A Lenny. Ain't nothing wrong with that. She's a good So massage. it's chirotree.com and the number is 630-941-8733. All right, so now we're going to talk about my book. Tony Robbins is not a big-time author. For those of you who don't I know, know... that shocked me. I know. For those of you who don't know Tony Robbins, is he's a oh, he, he's very specific with his language. He's he doesn't not, like to be called a motivational speaker. Yeah, he doesn't. He's more of a hands-on... I don't know the word he uses. I'm sorry. But it's more like giving you a plan of how to attack life or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So he wrote this book called Money, Master the Game. I think it's only his third book he's ever written. And he's an international superstar, and he is a coach to, like, Bill Clinton and all these sports people and Serena Williams. and He's been around forever. Yeah, and he's just a rock star. So I'm reading this book, and it's really good. Uh, It's called Money, Master the Game. And just a little something about Tony is Tony is very into philanthropy. He's – as a young boy, he did not do a whole lot of – he was – he didn't have a lot of money, so he would – he would be worried where his next meal is coming from. So because of that, he is really engaged in help making sure that people in this country who don't have enough food have enough food. So he's literally fed tens of millions of families Wow! Um, over the last few years. And no, I didn't know that either. So, um, so first of all, all the profits to this book, all the profits to this book is, is being donated to the 100 Million Meal Challenge. So he is hoping to feed 100 million people uh, as a result of the proceeds. So you're telling book. me he wrote this book and he's not going to get any money for he's it? He's not getting any money for Interesting. it. Interesting. Dig it. Each book purchase contributes to providing 50 meals. So every time you buy a book, you're buying 50 meals. Wow. All right? Uh, Hunger Relief became one of Tony's lifelong passions after he received the gift of a Thanksgiving meal as a food insecure child. So he was food insecure. He food insecure. So somebody child. showed. Aww. So somebody showed up at his doorstep and gave him. You want to know what's so interesting? What? That's exactly what happened to Oprah. Really? You know, when we talk about negative life experiences early in life, yeah. sometimes it shapes everything you do. Because mm-hmm. her, she had a Christmas where they didn't have anything, and right. some nuns showed up and gave them food. Yeah. And she's always been a ph- you know philanthropic sense. It gives you an idea of how um, malleable our children yes. are, how affected they can be, both positively and negatively. and negatively. Now he's taking his dedication to the fight against hunger one step further by launching the 100 Million Meals Challenge. Tony invites you to help match his gift of 50 million meals to Feeding America. So together we can provide 100 million meals for the 49 million Americans so, who struggle to put food on the table. So wait a second. Is it beyond <gasps> the book? Because you just read different things. So is it just buying the book or do you have to match? What's the matching? I, th- I think every time you buy a book, he he matches it to that. So, he's say- so what he's saying is buy this book buy this and book. help us out. Right. Okay. And then, you know, so there's a lot of different ways you can give, but the easiest first way to give is to buy this book. Okay. And this book is worth it. It's price in gold or it's weight in gold, however okay. you say it, 
because it's a really good book. And by the way, you help um, feed some people who need help. So the part of this book that I want to talk about, and it, you might think it's a little, a little snoozy, sweetie. A little. Is it a little dry? Um, Is it good that I got a full caffeinated coffee? Four hundred one k. You know what a four hundred one k is. I do. What is it? It is a retirement investment plan. Usually with your company. Yes. Right. So we all have four hundred one. Not all. Most people have yes. some sense of four hundred one k. As an educator, I had a four hundred three b. Yes. So if you're in the not for profit, I think yeah. it's called a four hundred three b. If you're in a for profit, it's called a four hundred one k. So. Um, so first thing about this, and some of this may, so if you are the money manager in your family, please listen. If you're not, have the money manager in your family listen to this. But if you're not, still listen. Yeah. Because we need to both know. Be on the same Because Todd's definitely the money manager, but he always tells me how I need to know everything. Yeah. You need to be in tune with what's yeah. going on. So the first thing is most of our 401k plans, the money is managed by a active fund manager. And the bottom line is these fund managers aren't much, they're never, they're rarely ever better than getting what's called an index fund. Do you know what an index fund is? No. An index fund is, there's really not a lot of decisions that get made. You basically um, buy this fund and it's just like, let's say the, the Dow Jones. Okay. Okay. So instead of a guy or a group of people trying Choosing. to choose, you just invest in the Dow. Got it. And it makes sense. The reason that that's good is because there's not you don't have to pay the guys to decide which ones to pick out. Is it Dow T A O or D O W? D O W. But I would rather invest in the T A O. I know. Okay, keep Sweetie going. Sweetie likes to invest in the Dow. <laughs> um so that's the first thing is you don't want to uh the typical mutual funds don't beat index funds, all right? Interesting. That's okay. very obvious. Right. These funds charge hefty fees. Which ones? Index or mutual? The mutual funds. Index isn't because you don't have to pay guys to decide what to do. Cool. It's already built in. All right. So now after those funds charge your company fees to do that, now you have your payroll company, your insurance company. So basically there's another layer to this. Within your company, you ha- it's either through an insurance company or your payroll company. They charge you a whole bunch of other additional costs. Who's they? Payroll or insurance? Both. It's either you're either having your payroll company do it or your insurance company do it, and they're they charge money too. Okay. Stupid. So when you say it's stupid, should that not be happening? Um, it's it's too expensive. Okay. I, I want to be able to find the different costs that typically get. With this, I hope I'm not losing our audience. Well, I'm a little bored, but that's only because... (laughs) There's communication expenses, record keeping and administration expenses, investment expenses, trustee expenses. These are all costs that go into it. And it can go... So, Tony partnered with this company called America's Best 401k.com. America's Best 401k.com. And I'm basically just putting all my trust in it because Tony's put his trust in it. Okay. Interesting. And on the website of at America's Best 401k.com, they have something called a 401k fee checker. So basically, you can log onto the site and you can put in your company name. And this is what I did for our company. Cool. And it tells me exactly what the fees are associated with my plan. Because America's Best 401k, their fees are 0.75%. And is that high or low? That's very low. Okay. The typical one is 2 or 3% or something like Interesting. that. So I did ours, and ours is actually pretty good. It's about 1.3%. Oh, nice. All right. Our BU company? No, my JVI company. JVI company. company. That's you, Todd's other RBU job. Our BU company doesn't have a 401k plan yet, sweetie. <laughs> you 
totally. Oh my gosh. See, that's how detached I am from what Todd's talking about. So, um, but to give you an idea of what these costs add up to, and it's so funny because this is so exciting to me. Oh my God. Todd is like jumping out of his seat right now and I'm I'm going lower. And lower. Right. So our so my company plan is is about one point three percent. Okay. So what that means is what you will lose because of these fees, because it compounds on a year-to-year basis. After year one in this uh, specific plan, if if my company were to switch over to this America's Best 401k plan, it would be um, the plan assets lost to fees, which basically means we would lose $23,000. Wow. After we are losing $23,000 the first year. Wow. After five years, $130,000. After 20 years, $811,000. Just of the difference between a 1.3% fee and a 0.75. Wow. So what I'm doing is I'm inviting our listeners, and I will have this link on our show notes, to put in your own company and see if your own company, see how they do. Maybe they're at 2 point something percent, and it does all the math for you. And if it, it empowers you. If you are an employee, it, it, they send you a template of a letter you can send to your employer saying, hey, will you mind looking at these Interesting. costs? So and if someone is already in the human uh, uh, resource resource arena, then you could maybe be in charge of this. Right. And if you're the employer, you can get a quote from this company. Interesting. So, I mean, I just think that it's a really, really cool thing. So because um, you know, it's hard enough to save money these days. And when you are the way he describes in the book is it's a headwind. You're like in, you're trying so hard to save all your money and it's a headwind that you can't get past. Totally. And a way to very easily do that is to go with companies that are not going to charge you 2.3% costs totally. and expenses. And then the other thing he talks about is how important the Roth IRA and the Roth 401k is because um, when we all retire, Odds are the tax brackets are going to be the, much different. Yeah, the government is going to need more money. Right, it's obvious. Yeah, so you need to do anything you can to get into a Roth. We've got one of the. I have one of those, right? My I yes, we used to do traditional IRAs, and now we do Roth four hundred one ks and Roth I'm IRAs. Roth. Hi, I'm Roth. So <laughs> I don't know. I just think that it's, um, and this is just from reading one chapter in this book. Amazing. There's, Let's get Tony Robbins on the show. Yeah. It's a 700-page book, but I'm just ingesting it. I love that you love that book. It makes me happy for you. And it makes me want to do like a money retreat because... I, I know. Todd has talked about doing a money retreat, not a money retreat, a money class for kids mm-hmm. so they have a better understanding of these things so they're not like going... Because do you know a lot of people, they get out of college, they graduate from college, and they still have no idea like how to balance a checkbook? They don't know the difference between like, a debit card we, and a credit card. What are we sending them to college for? Uh, personal financial management should be taught at the earliest level. I know. And every year, because that's what's gotten this country into such screwed totally. up chaos anyways. Ignorance. They don't understand what they're getting themselves And into. you know what? I'm shaking my head, even at myself. And again, Todd loves this and it's just totally in his, it's part of his uh, heart. You know, like it he it makes him excited. It's part of his inspiration. It that's It's not that for me, but that doesn't give me a right to not participate in money uh, choices yeah. and to be thoughtful about where our money is and the choices that we make. And Todd is definitely my teacher. Um, well, and that's one thing that helped me because I've been uh, working with a therapist to help me with certain things. And one of the things that was going on with us is I would have all these worries about money and yeah. it would create anxiety within me. And at the time, you and the way you and I worked was you're not involved with money. That's kind of my side, mm-hmm. my responsibility. And when I 
when we decided to sit down about once a month or once every two months, just to give you a snapshot of where we are financially, Mm -hmm. it relieved a lot of the pressure off of me. And nothing changed, meaning that it's not like you said, okay, now you're going to do this and I'm going to do this. It was like, let's just both carry the weight of this. Yeah, I just need to share with you where we are. Because before that, I never shared where we were. Mm -hmm. And it was just because you do so many things, right. I didn't want to burden you with that worry. Well, and in a, in, a, in a home, that's kind of part of a partnership is we each have roles. And sometimes they should go in and out of each other, meaning they're not, they don't have to be definitive. Right. But we tend to take more of a lead on certain things. And what was interesting is that sometimes you would be worried about something and I would say, but this is actually quite fine mm-hmm. because, you know – you know, I would, you would look at, at it with a different with a perspective. Different perspective. Like you would be concerned thinking there should be more when mm-hmm. I'm like, that's plenty for right now. And yeah. sometimes you, the two sets of eyes is not about problem solving. It's about viewing it with just a more, not optimistic, but a broader lens. Yeah. Well, and it, it was just nice to be able to share it. So I wasn't carrying totally. all of it. Totally. So, um, and we've talked about money on the show before, but and that doesn't mean that you carry 50% of the responsibility of money management. No. But once every few months, we sit down and just go over where we are. Right. And that made all the difference for it me. It did. And I I want to know that because mm. I don't want to be somebody who has no idea where our our money is invested or what, you know, where our money is going. And um, because the truth is, is that I... No, you, you spend money too, but I'm the one who goes to the grocery store. I'm the one who goes, mm. you know, like... Christmas presents. Yeah. I'm the one putting money out. Right. So I have to understand how that's being covered. Well, we always say like money isn't real and money it should, ought not to be the reason why there's problems between couples. But we've known couples that have had issues because, because of their of communication of money or lack, lack of. thereof. And that's the thing is money is a symptom of a bigger issue. Money, it's not about we are, there. there's a money problem. It's a communication problem. Yes. And it's in that person, a self-awareness problem. Right. Because if they're spending money they don't have, yeah. then there's something that they're detached from what's going on. Yeah. Money is just another form of energy. Right. And if you don't have it, you can't put out energy you don't have have because that's going to come back and bite you. Well, and I volunteer at the school and we do the junior achievement thing. And the Mm -hmm. first question I ask the kids, I, you know, whether it's third graders or fifth graders is money, is it good or bad? And it's funny. Some of the kids will raise their hand and say it's bad. Because they are being taught that at home. And other kids will raise their hand and say it's good. Right. And what's the answer? It's it's a blend of both. It's neither. Money is neutral. Oh, I love it. And what you do with it is what's going to carry the energy, whether it's negative or positive. But money isn't good or bad. That's a great teaching. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I, you know, I was thinking, oh, there's a balance. Sometimes it's good and bad, but really money is money fine. Money has nothing. No. You're right. It's completely neutral. It's how you respond to money. Right. Well, and it's interesting because Susie Orman, um, her very first book, she's written like 10 of them now, but her very first book, the first activity she has you go through, um, I think it's called the 10 something successful, yeah. whatever. But she says, go back to your childhood and realize how money was discussed in your home mm-hmm. and that is really how you still relate to money today. Right. Is if in your home there was a lot of giving and there was like some groundedness or sturdiness with money, most likely you still respond to money in that way. But if there was a lot of upheaval about money in your home or concern about money or lack thereof, you know, that's or how fighting, you're fighting. Your parents fighting about money, you're probably not going to look at money as a good thing. No, and you will be worried about money 
in meaning you'll think you'll need more or less because you'll be afraid it'll cause fights. Exactly. So money, just like Tad said, has a great teaching. Money is neutral, but how you respond to it is huge. Right. Um, so we are 47 minutes in. Can I say one more thing about Tony Robbins? Sure. One of the things on my bucket list, and I'm taking my husband with me, is I want to go see Tony Robbins yeah. and do one of those weekend things. Yeah. I think it's like $5,000. Yeah, it's expensive. It's so expensive, which so it's not happening this year, that's for sure. But I have heard nothing, but I, I know a few people who have gone to his Date with Destiny weekends, and he, they say it's complete. you know, people say, oh, it's life-changing all the time. Yeah. They mean it literally. Yeah, I got a feeling this one actually is. Yes. So thank you for bringing that. You're welcome. And don't forget about our last partner, Jeremy Kraft at Avid Company. He's that bald-headed beauty. He is. 630-956-1800. If you live in Chicago and you need any work done, painting, remodeling, things like that, he's your guy avidco.net. I was just at my mom's this weekend and Jeremy did my mom's kitchen and we were. she was talking about how much she loved her floor, how much she loved her granite and she said, you know what, I would have never chosen these things but Jeremy suggested them to me and I couldn't be more happy. So not only is he good at what he does but he's also got a good eye which it's hard to find both. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. somebody's good at the, you know, the management piece, but they don't really know, they don't have the eye for, you know, the beauty. But he does because he's a bald-headed beauty. <clears throat> he is. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, and then we're in the middle. Uh, do, what do we want to promote, sweetie? Promote your books or something. If you need a holiday gift for somebody, um, we, uh, my book, um, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, is on my website, kathycadams.com. So are my other two books, The Self-Aware Parent 1 and The Self-Aware Parent 2. You can buy all three of them for $35 on my website. It's a nice little gift. I'll wrap it up for you. Not wrap it, but I put a little bow around it. Um, I can sign them, too. You can also get them on Amazon. Todd also this weekend did something really fun, and he ordered us some winter hats, and they have Zen Parenting Radio on the front and BU on the back. So I'm so excited about getting them. Um, Yeah, well, that's going to be on our website maybe by the end of this week. Yes, really? Maybe. I mean, But they're not coming in for two weeks. Right. But you could order it, and you'll get it probably shortly after Christmas. They're so cute. So you can turn around and have BU, or turn around and have ZPR. Two in one. It's And we wear winter hats a lot, so... We haven't decided how much we're going to sell it for. It'd be somewhere between 15 and 20 bucks. 17. Let's maybe, decide. Maybe 17. 17. It's a good number. Um, I love this song. This I think is it's my, my favorite. favorite. Jinx. <laughs> Wait a second. The one we started with was your favorite. Well, you wanted to start the show with something, and that's probably a great starter. I like it when Bono comes in. That's my favorite part of the song. Because it's so Bono. It's so Bono. Let's wait for Bono. Did we miss it? No, it's coming right now, because that was Simon Le Bon. This is Bono. It's coming up. This is him. I know, but not yet. Oh, but he's singing. I know, the big line, though. Here it comes. Bono, it, this may have changed his life. Then he kind of went into his whole career yeah. of charity. Yeah, this is just a great song. And they redid this song. They did? Yeah, it was oh, at Rolling the, Stone this week. I know, but it's it's not as good as the original. You can't touch this. Easy, empty hammer. Boy George. <laughs> <laughs> can't touch this. MC Hammer wasn't invited to do this. No. All right, so words of wisdom, sweetie? Um, uh, no, just have a good week. I'm going to say keep trucking. Okay. and uh, Christmas style. Buy the book and look for the hat and think about money and talk about puberty. and <laughs> <laughs> Cheers.
Adiós.